0: You are listening to one of my favorite podcasts, The Brain and the Brand Show, with Timothy Maurice. Welcome to The Brain and Brand Show. I'm Timothy Maurice. What an absolute pleasure it is to bring you today's episode on the power of the unconscious mind or the unconscious mind's mirror. If you're a leader, a strategist, or anyone interested in connecting and bonding with people, whether for personal or business purposes, you'll want to listen to this conversation. You're about to hear excerpts from a conversation I had with Colombian-born anthropologist Marcela Ospina. Marcela is inspired by how marketing, design, tech, and culture influences brands and society. As you listen to this conversation, consider how everything you see in the world is either showing you who you are or is designed for you to see yourself in it. Put more simply, you are seeking to find yourself in others and in the products you consume. And all of this is driven by the desires of the unconscious mind. So if you are a brand and want to connect more deeply and meaningfully with others, you basically should aim to be an aspirational mirror for their deepest desires. Let me make it even more simple. Ask yourself, can people see themselves in you and your brand? Well, meet Marcella Ospina. Enjoy. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Ms. Marcella Ospina. Thank How you. are you?
1: I'm well, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for coming in. It's really, really good to have you in studio. We can hear that you're not from here. You um, are no. from...
1: I'm originally from Colombia. So I came... I was in the States and then I came here. Yeah, I actually found it in Colombia um, because um, since I was little, I wanted to be a writer. So I had a fascination for characters and for the lives of people, especially fiction. I think uh, I was quite dramatic. <laughs> and then, and then what happened is that I found the anthropology and it was, it, it was like a really good channel to understand people and to write because as an anthropologist you tend to write a lot. And uh, an aunt of mine was the CEO of an a- at an advertising agency there, and that's how I found the intersection. It was oh, long ago I when, see. yeah, I was twenty-two. So it, it yeah, you know, like. So yeah,
0: but two it wasn't long. that long ago. Twenty-two is not that long. Uh, ago. 20, you look twenty-four. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So your your love for. People and marketing helped you sort of, you know, position yourself with this career that you're in. Tell us a little bit more about the type of people you work with and type of consulting work you do.
1: Yes, well, it ranges. Um A part of the work I do has a big B2B component. Yes. So um, let's picture it. I go into an office building or where people work, and people give me some of their time. And during that time, I I analyze what possibly can be influencing their business decisions and their process of decision-making to either um, engage with a number of other businesses that service them. Or how do they make decisions in regards of buying things? Okay. So that's one, one aspect of the work. The other aspect of the work is, is digital and mobile, and that's more assessing digital agencies and telecommunication companies on how people behave in regards to technology and how technology influences their behavior. Okay. Uh, so that's co- a B2C, I suppose. And then the other component of the work is just uh, a lot of writing and a lot of understanding how people make decisions. And from time to time, I get called in by direct clients who need specific things from me.
0: Now, let's take us back to when you were a child in Colombia. Mm-hmm. When you were a teenager, were you like every other teenager and you wanted the latest things or What were you like as a young girl, like 13, 14 years old? Did brands matter to you at all?
1: Mm, The thing is, I was quite underground. So I remember me liking music a lot, so my money would go into that. Um, I don't know if that's a brand thing, but it's definitely something you can market to teenagers. It, it taps into lifestyle, so I okay. suppose it was big. Brands, um, no, my parents were quite left-wing. So, no, brands were not featuring until I wanted a pair of Dr. Martins, but <laughs> which is like uh, when I was 18 or so.
0: And now, do you feel that you are independent From the pull of society When you see a a a marketing campaign for Manolo Blahnik, or you know, so you're you know, I can see you dress lovely. Are you one of these people who have you go through retail therapy? You know, do you experience these things, uh, or are you are you an alien? Are you above the rest of us?
1: <laughs> no, I think you're gonna laugh at the answers I'm gonna give you throughout this interview because I actually hate shopping, so I've developed this new habit of online shopping, and my friends bring. Me the stuff from overseas, but it, that's because I know the shops and I know that sure. the clothes fit me and whatnot. So yes, I am a consumer like any other. It's just that my habits are slightly different in that I don't like going to the actual shops and I don't like overpaying for what I know it's worth less. Oh
0: wow! So,
1: but but then again, it's my work, so I do understand one or two things.
0: You know, when it when it comes to understanding. The consumer and how many consumers are physically chained and to a a relationship. So as soon as a new product comes out, as soon as a new anything comes out, I mean, if you think about the way people queue and they line up for the new, uh, iPhones and so forth, it seems like you're not one of them. You're not one of them, but you understand those people who are in the, who are in that queue. So. For that person who's in the queue, knowing that their their old iPhone is perfectly fine, why do you think they're standing in that queue? What is the psychology of why they want to consume and they need this thing?
1: Dopamine. Every time we buy something, dopamine gets released in our brains. Okay. Dopamine being the substance that generates pleasure in our brains.
0: So you're trying to say that the same, it's almost like an orgasmic experience to be standing in this queue, knowing I'm going to get this phone
1: the anticipation, of course, and then when you finally have it. I recently read something really interesting and it's about happiness as an experience and how people are happier or the happiest when they experience something. And then I was thinking, when they are queuing for the actual iPhone, that is the experience and then in your brain all sorts of chemical processes are happening. Well, and it's the anticipation from the minute you're browsing online to the minute you have the object in your hands. And these guys takes things a little bit further and he says, actually, when you get the actual object, your happiness increases like two points. Actually, when you buy a BMW, you, if I ask you in a year, time how happy you are, you're not much happier. So it's the whole process of finding something in a catalog and then uh, waiting until it comes into your hands and then finally you have it. And then the cycle starts again and then you want a new thing and so on and so So on. So
0: essentially a brand's job, if you want to have a, a loyal consumer, is to trigger dopamine.
1: <laughs> Simply and biologically put yes, the thing is and where anthropology comes in is that there are contextual factors influencing decisions, so even though we're animals and yes, we do all operate the same way, my context is different from yours, sure. so in my context, an iPhones may not play such a role, so it becomes it it comes down to what my experience of pleasure is versus your experience that provides pleasure
0: sure and. It's so, not the same. Yeah. So, you know, I guess a brand would need to know what is it that provides pleasure for their different sort of demographics. Correct. So if a one person is marketing to you, what provides pleasure for you?
1: For me myself. Yes, for you. For me, it's, the, it's certainly the experience. So it has to be really, really seamless. Everything has to go very quickly and I need to find the size and if I know I'm four I need to know that four is gonna fit me and you know and I know the material and I know you know it's that kind of thing. I'm very as long as anal qu- about quick, it.
0: It's quick and you're very anal you're getting <laughs> interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah so, I'm not like a normal girl. Like I yeah. hate shopping. Like I don't find it pleasurable. Okay, I get, so. it. I get it.
0: And and I think what what I'm what I wanna Establish quickly for those people who don't understand anthropology, um, break down a bit more about your studies in anthropology so that we can make that link to marketing.
1: Well, it is actually quite simple. Anthropologists study culture, any any culture, and they study symbols and things that are unseen in that culture. Mm. So it's things like, for instance, in, in these days in social media, it's what language are people using and tacit meanings behind that language. That's a symbol of culture,
0: like selfie, like, like the a word.
1: selfie, like um, like snackable content, which I use a lot. Like, what does that mean? What is the meaning of that? And then it becomes it becomes relevant to marketers for many different reasons. The one being is that we're cross-pollinating, so brands are not local exclusively anymore, and you need to understand different meanings of, for brands in cultures. But also within the same culture as I'm explaining, context is really important and decision-making because context influences the decisions we make. And as we know, not everybody is the same. We're not all alike. Sure. So, and there are products that don't understand, they, the brands don't understand why, are not, why aren't we tapping into this market if now, we're doing all the right things.
0: Well, brands simply override people's ability to make rational decisions. Mm. How does the emotion play into the consumer and their relationship with product?
1: It's huge. It's huge, it takes you back in time, so some psychologists argue that in culture you have imprints and that are in your brain they like your DNA like why you like the smell of some things versus the smell of other things. So I think brands tap into those emotions of nostalgia is a big one, of survival is also a big one, and uh, things like compassion and like general human values as well, which is why brands that, are, that have like a very emotional sort of imprint in people's brains are so long-lasting and strong.
0: I want to go back, Marcela, and um i want to sort of share some of the some of my thoughts and get your thoughts around some of the quirkier things about human behavior especially when it comes to gender i heard somewhere that women wear high heels to mimic a particular positioning in our evolutionary history some sort of scientists believe that what happens is when you put on heels your thighs tense up and it mimics a signaling to the world. Now I know this is very controversial. So as an anthropologist I wanted you to re- sort of respond. Are you wearing heels today?
1: I am. <laughs> <laughs> And I do it for the same reasons. But I think, uh, listen, um, uh, to answer your question, uh, it's it's not so quirky. Unfortunately, my answer is quite nerdy. But um, there is a component to behavior that is uh, evolutionary. And if you track behavior, you will always find a a reason that is evolutionary, like the one you just named, which is mating. So 90% out of 100% of the times we are doing things so that we can find the person who we're going to reproduce with. But, and there, again, anthropology comes in, and, and, and I suppose any kind of human sciences to counteract those arguments and say, well, yes, sure, but we, at the same time, we're evolving, maybe we're evolving in different directions, and you'll see, like now, with the New Age movements, and with things that are more, slightly more spiritual, and less geared towards evolution as reproduction, sure. and sure, our behavior starts changing in different directions, and I think it is important, sure, to consider those reasons that are purely instinctive, but to also consider reasons that are cultural, that are, are about um, we running out of resources, maybe reproduction is not so key anymore.
0: So maybe the deeper driver could be the subconscious deeper driver could be reproduction, but then there's a cultural influence that says that if I can project myself in a particular way, I'm going to be favored and people are going to receive me better, uh, that it's not linked to reproduction.
1: Correct. But this, this all happens. What is fascinating about, and I love it, is that this all happens at, at a subconscious level. Yes. So we're not walking around saying, okay, my main goal in life is reproduction. We're walking around thinking we're doing the things we're doing and we just do them. Sure. And it is the job of people such as me and others to understand why.
0: So if a marketer is able to tap into some of those subconscious drivers, then they can really sort of drive a better relationship with the consumer.
1: Definitely. They will be very successful.
0: Very successful. Mm. Awesome. Which is why, for example, Estee Lauder has been extremely successful. I mean, that sort of brand is extraordinary in terms of even when the economy weakens, apparently lipstick sales grow up.
1: Mm, I've heard that as well. Quickly.
0: Quickly. Before we continue, please take a moment and rate the show and leave a comment. It will mean a lot to me. Now, here Marcella shares her experience with how creatives should link creativity with the business's goals and objectives.
1: And multidisciplinary knowledge and the other thing is the integration between creativity and marketing and business. So how can you, as a creative person, maybe um, integrate better with business with business processes? Because I've been doing so much B two B work that I've realized the biggest uh, disconnect is how. Um, Creative people don't see business objectives for what they are, and I think that has a lot to do with that, with with not questioning what the business um, brief is, what what these person sit on, uh, sit on the client's shoes and see what their KPIs are. Got it. You you see, Got and it. I think I think we're gonna see more and more of creative thinking in business. Not not all brands will follow this. Only a progressive ones. Sure. There are people already doing it, like Discovery. Does a good job.
0: Sure. And
1: some of my clients are banks and I think even though they don't, don't do it properly by, by any means they want to got it so and you, you do unfortunately or fortunately you need a budget backing this up because if you want to hire someone like me then you need extra money to do that and on top of that you need a creative person and a marketing strategy got it
0: thanks so much for listening and do share this episode with anyone who believes they can become a mirror for someone else to help find themselves You can find the details for connecting with Marcella in the show notes until next time.